think about the traditional front three, including Firmino, and they were close to each other, and it just seems systematically right now, Liverpool are not clicking. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. Now, the Formula 1 season is also resuming after the mid-season break in Belgium this coming weekend. While McLaren have confirmed today that Danny Ricciardo will be leaving them at the end of the current campaign, the Australian's contract, which was expected to run until the end of the 2023 season, has been terminated early by mutual consent. Both the team and driver, who won at Monza last year, say they will be announcing their plans in due course. Here's what Ricciardo had to say earlier today. Obviously, we put in a lot of effort on both sides, but just hasn't worked the way we wanted. Uh, so the team's decided to make a change for next year. And so we had a lot of discussions, but uh, in the end we mutually agreed that it was the right thing for both of us. Um, I will continue to do the rest of this year, absolutely. Um, and I'll continue to give it my all. Um, so uh, that's that's that, I think, for the, the future, what lies ahead. I'm um, not sure yet. Um, not sure yet, but uh, but we'll see. You know, I, I look back on this time with McLaren. I look back with a smile. I learned a lot about myself. I think things that will help me for the next step in my career. But I think just in general in, in life, uh, you know, I think to you know from a results point of view, for sure, like to consistently get the, the results and that form that I was after. You know, wasn't wasn't always there and. You know, it made some weekends tough. Um, you know, I felt those, absolutely. Um, but I also, you know, have many happy memories of my time at the team. And I think about Monza, you know, I think about standing on the top step. I think about, you know, bringing the, the team their first win since 2012, you know, like that that sort of stuff was, was awesome. And to see the smile on everyone's faces, to just be in that moment, you know, that's something I'll never forget. So, yeah, there's um, there's a lot of good stuff to take from this as well. The sport, you know, I still love it. I still love it. You know, this this hasn't affected any of that. Um, I still have that that fire in me, that that belief in in my belly that I can do this at the highest level. Um, so yeah, all that stuff's still there. Um, but yeah, just wanted to say appreciate everyone's support through the highs, lows, everything in between. Um, this isn't it for me, um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what lies ahead. Um, but just want to say, appreciate you. Rebecca Clancy of the Times is with us now, and Rebecca, listening to what uh, Ricardo has had to say there, understandably, Monza drive to survive last year as it worked out, centered around that episode where they got that landmark win. It felt like maybe that was things turning around for the team a bit and for Danny Ricardo. Um, but by his own admission, there, even if he says he's leaving by a, with a smile, both the team and the driver are a little bit disappointed with how the first half of this season has gone for him. Yeah, good evening. I think they're massively disappointed with how the season has gone for Daniel Ricciardo. It's been a bit of a surprise for all of us, really. He arrived at McLaren last year. He was this experienced at the time, a seven-time race winner. He was supposed to be the driver who was leading the team forward and bringing them back to the front of the grid. He had the younger teammate in Lando Norris, but he was comprehensively beaten, even with that win in Monza. Um, And actually, it's worth remembering in Monza that Lando Norris was actually quicker than him, but team orders kept Lando Norris back and in second because the team was so afraid of their two cars clashing. And they hadn't won a race for nine years, so they, they couldn't risk that. So it was a great victory for him in Monza, but he was he was outperformed by his teammate Lando 
coronavirus. And then this year, we thought with the regulation changes, maybe last year, he just hadn't got to grips with the car. But it became clear pretty quickly that he, he just wasn't getting on with the car again this year. And so not not a massive surprise you sort of you said at the top of the program he had a contract through to the end of next year but in f1 they don't really mean anything certainly not the paper they're written on um and so it's not a surprise that he's leaving today um or not leaving at the end of the season sorry but it was announced today i'm not convinced it was a mutual agreement shall we say daniel ricardo in that piece you just played out there you can hear him say the team decided to make a change for next season um and then conversations happened and as i'm sure you can probably imagine they were financial they started out very high from what i understand daniel ricardo's team wanted the full year salary paid out he gets roughly 20 million um but in the end from what i understand it's they've come to an agreement about half of that so he'll get a 10 million pound payoff to whichever team he goes to and we don't know where that will be yet and before we talk about who potentially is going to come in for the drive at McLaren, because this is the time of the season when people are doing a lot of business, it would seem, this year particularly. And uh, there's one particular standout that may well be going to McLaren for next year. But for Ricardo himself, is he still a very attractive prospect for teams who are going to be looking for perhaps an experienced driver for next season? Yeah, I'd say so. He's only 33 years old. He's got plenty left in the tank. He's now won eight races um, in his Formula One career. He's had a he's had a rough time at McLaren, and before that, he had a bit of a tricky time at Renault, where he spent two years pre prior to that. So, he says he's still driven and motivated to stay in the sport. He says he still loves it. He has loads of experience. He was obviously at Red Bull when he was there with Max Verstappen and left when it became clear that Max Verstappen was their number one driver. But when he first came into Formula One back in the early days when he was partnering actually with Sebastian Vettel at Red Bull in 2014, he beat Sebastian Vettel. So this this isn't just a, he's not just a one-off guy. He has some serious talent. Um, so yes, he's a very attractive prospect for a team who are looking for an experienced driver who can help them with the development of their car, who can feel the very small, minute, minute details that don't show up in the data. He can give the feedback and drive a team forward to build a better car and 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 possibly work with the younger teammate. He's done this before, works with younger teammates and he can help them improve and he can impart his wisdom. So yes, I would say still very attractive. And from what I understand from conversations I've had today, he's he's got quite a bit of interest from a few from a few teams. When it comes to prospects, there are a few who are more coveted at the moment than Oscar Piastri, who has become the story probably of the mid-season break. And again, he's being very heavily linked now with McLaren. He is almost certainly, definitely, I'd be putting money on it going to McLaren. This was one of the most bizarre stories, actually, before the summer break. We're just returning from it now. But about three weeks ago, um, it was announced in a bit of a shock move that Fernando Alonso was leaving Alpine to go and replace Sebastian Vettel, who is retiring at Aston Martin. That opened up a seat at Alpine and it was presumed by everyone really that they would put in their reserve driver, this young 21-year-old Australian called Oscar Piastri, reigning Formula 2 champion, absolutely brilliant, committed to the French team, has been on their junior programme, they've heavily invested in him. And so they announced him as their driver alongside Esteban Ocon for next year and within hours, I think it was actually less than two hours, Oscar Piastri had tweeted that he would not be racing for Alpine next year, which 
was more than a little shocking, shall we say. So after a bit of digging by quite a few of us, we discovered that actually he had a pre, what's called a pre-contract in F1, pre-contract with McLaren. So he had presumed, him and his manager, Mark Webber, the former F1 driver, had presumed that Alonso was staying. So they had started talking to other teams because in Formula One, if you sit out more than one season, which Piastri is currently doing, you can start to lose your racecraft, you start to become unattractive to teams and Piastri and Weber felt that he needed to be in a seat ASAP. He couldn't afford to wait another year with Alpine. So they started talking to McLaren and now Mark Weber is very, very good friends with Andreas Seidel, who is the team principal at McLaren. They worked together very closely during their World Endurance Championship days for Porsche. So that's how they know each other. So it looks like Weber got his man in, um, didn't really care about one Australian, got Ricardo out and got his Australian in. So um, that's that's how it's happened, really. So that was, from what I understand, all done before the summer break. Um, but he was very coveted, Oscar Piastri. He is widely tipped as a future world champion. So I think it's a, it's a risky signing for McLaren. I think that has to be said. Um, but I think... They couldn't continue with Ricardo. It wasn't working. Andrea Seidel was very honest today. He said, we've been trying for 18 months. I take the responsibility as well. It's not just Daniel's side, it's all the team's side. I'm in charge of the team and I haven't been able to get this relationship to work either. And sometimes you just have to cut your losses and get on with it. So it's great for Oscar Piastri. He absolutely deserves a drive within F1. And it'll be fascinating to see how he gets on with Lando Norris. And to see Lando Norris as the senior driver in a team, he's only 20, 22 years old, I think he still is. So um, that'll that'll be a fun one to watch. Yeah, it's a young man's game right now, uh, the Formula One uh, Championship Series. But the thing about it is, as embarrassing as it was for Alpine on the day when, as you say, a couple of hours afterwards, he's saying, hey, I ain't going to be driving for them next year. How much of a blow is it, given that they were trying to nurture his talent, had already put an investment into it, and presumably they already had him as a target at some point to step up into the car, even if that was in two years' time. To now lose a young star who they put so much time into must be a big blow to Alpine as a team. Well, in the space of 48 hours, they lost a double world champion and a potential future world champion. It was a pretty bad day, pretty bad few days for the team. It was embarrassing. You're absolutely right. They have, they've invested heavily. The amount of money, I'm sure people know, it's such an expensive sport. They funded his career through Formula 3, through Formula 2. He was winning championships with them, with their money. So it's a massive blow. But... Contracts are a funny thing in Formula One. They're not really worth anything, but sometimes when they are, there are these bizarre clauses in them. And Oscar Piastri apparently had a clause in his contract where if Alpine hadn't taken up their option on him for next year by July 31st, he was a free agent. Fernando Alonso announced he was leaving on August 1st. Piastri announced he wouldn't race for Alpine on August 1st. So it's obviously been very well orchestrated. There's obviously far more going on behind the scenes than maybe we'll ever find out until Drive to Five comes out probably on Netflix, which I'm sure are having a great time with all of this. Um, but it's a huge blow. It is embarrassing for Alpine. And they still don't have a driver to replace Alonso. Um, they have Esteban Ocon, who in the nicest way possible is a very good driver, but he's not, he's not the driver to take the team forward. They need someone of either Alonso's experience. Daniel Ricciardo would be... Would be a fit, shall we say? I'm not going to say a good fit because um, if people remember, he left that outfit two years ago when it was Renault. He didn't leave under very good circumstances at all. In Ricardo's favour, the team principal has since changed, but there are still senior bosses within Renault Alpine, as it is now 
who are not very happy with him. So it puts Alpine in a really tough position and they're now looking at a much weaker lineup than they previously thought they had. That's the off-track drama. We get back on track in Belgium this coming weekend and you've been writing about this. The position of the championship is for fans. Max Verstappen is in such a commanding position now uh, with the way that he went into the break. 80 points clear going into the second half of the season. It almost feels like the title race, particularly given the way the Ferrari have dropped off, that this is Verstappen's um, entirely to lose now. And it would almost be difficult for Max Verstappen not to be back-to-back champion now. Yeah, oh, I'm not allowed to say that because there are still nine races to go. So everyone has to stay tuned and keep reading. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. We're, we're getting very close to the stage where the calculators need to come out and we start doing the maths on when he wins his second championship, not if he wins it. 80 points, nine races to go within 12 weeks. It's a fairly exhausting run in and this business end of the season. Charles Leclerc had a terrible end to the first half of the season. Ferrari equally bad. Ferrari have this hat trick of terrible issues where they've got reliability problems they've got strategy mistakes and they've got driver error and they cannot afford a single one of those to continue into the second half of the season because Max Verstappen isn't making mistakes and yes Red Bull have had a few issues they had a bit of reliability problems at the start of the year there's a bit of a problem with the balance of their car a bit of understeer that Max Verstappen likes to spend most races complaining about but somehow still goes on to win um, and just to put that into context Max Verstappen has won eight races this year of the 13 we've had so it's been a pretty commanding performance by him and I don't think we'll be facing any of the controversy that we had at the end of last season when he picks up his title and to be honest looking at it I wouldn't be surprised if he wins it as early as Japan which is in about five races time or the two after that are Austin and Mexico he could probably do it there and then he'll have a nice run in for Brazil and Abu Dhabi yeah but the there are other interesting narratives coming quite aside from the title race itself and one of those is going to be the position of Mercedes by the end of this season they, they seem to be improving as the season has been going on yeah they've been absolutely brilliant Max Verstappen was very funny actually at the end of um, the last first half of the season in Hungary he was uh, he won and but he was flanked by the two Mercedes drivers of Lewis Hamilton and George Russell who had just taken their second double podium their, it's a second consecutive double podium sorry and Max Verstappen turned around and said oh I love Mercedes resurgence it's great they're taking loads of points of Ferrari and that kind of sums it up really that they had Mercedes had five podiums in the last five races of the first half of the season. They had two second place finishes with Lewis Hamilton. They are absolutely going in the right direction after a pretty torrid start to the year. If you can think back to the second race in Saudi Arabia where Lewis Hamilton had probably the worst qualifying of his career on pure pace, went out in Q1, couldn't get the car to work. Later transpired that Mercedes were conducting all sorts of experiments in the setup of his car in this desperate bid to try and stop what was called nicknamed the porpoising, the bouncing of the car because of these new regulations. They seem to have got on top of it. They seem to be making their car work. Lewis Hamilton seems to be a man on a mission who isn't massively happy about the fact that George Russell is ahead of him in the standings. I'm not sure it will stay like that in the second half of the season when Lewis Hamilton has a bit of a reputation for turning up and making it work. But the big thing with Lewis Hamilton as well this year, or the second half of this year, is that he's currently on the longest losing streak of his career, which started in F1 in 2007. He's on 14 races without a win. He's never gone a season. He's the only driver to have never gone a season without winning a race during a season that he's competed in. So it's a case now of whether he can win and keep that record going. And Mercedes, with this being pretty much the car that goes into next year, 
give or take a few changes that are coming in because of this poor thing they're trying to reduce it because there is a genuine concern about the safety of the drivers um mercedes need to nail down this car and get it right and get it back at the front if they're to have any chance of being in the fight for next year yeah mercedes issues have to be a caveat at the early stage of the season but what have you made of george russell so far in mercedes where mercedes will stress that they've got two drivers who they want to compete and that will probably be the case next year how has russell been settling in since his move Oh, absolutely brilliant. Mr. Consistent. He's gone from Mr. Saturday of outperforming on qualifying to Mr. Consistent. He's only not finished one race, which was Silverstone, which by no means his fault, a DNF. And every other race he's finished in the top five. He's the only driver who can say that. He's been fantastic. He has gone about his job very well. He works incredibly well with the team. He already worked with the team. He was already part of their junior program. So he knew everyone very well. So when he actually climbed into the car this season, he just slotted in. He knew his engineers, he knew his mechanics, he knew Lewis very well by this point. They actually are working together, believe it or not. Um, They do sit in briefings together, they do get along. um, And to be honest, you can see the effect of it, of what's happening with the car, because yes, a lot of the experiments happened to Lewis Hamilton's car, but George Russell was absolutely key as well in the development because he needed to be... developing the bits that they knew worked. So he needed to be going out and testing what they thought worked to the absolute limit. And he was able to do that and then they could keep improving. So he's been absolutely fantastic. You'd think he'd been with that team for years, not just in his first season with them. Yeah, that competitive spirit might carry into next year and become very interesting indeed. Rebecca, enjoy Belgium this weekend. Thanks, Millie, for joining us on Off The Ball. Thank you very much.